Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio, brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, our show sponsor. All Metals and Forge Group is a open-die forging company that also does seamless rolled rings in a variety of uh, shapes and sizes and a variety of steels and uh, nickels. So if you want to get more information on them, go to steelforge.com, or you can talk to the owner and president, who's also the host, Lou Weiss. Lou, how are you doing today? And here I am. Am I wearing my there forging uh, boots and hat and goggles? Yeah, I've been doing that a long time. Been doing that about 45 years. And then, of course, I decided to get into show business. But uh, we are... <laughs> The uh, the uh, Steel Forge has been around for a long time. Uh, we're pretty well known, and uh, we produce good product. And uh, you can give us a call at our phone number is nine seven three two seven six five thousand, or at uh, info at steelforge dot com, and you'll get one of our handy dandy little salespeople, and they'll handle all your problems. That said, Tim? Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, so I think Lou and I sat down one day to calculate how many hundreds of millions of dollars of forgings that uh, All Metals and Forge Group had produced and sold into the industry over the years. It's a lot of metal. So it, it's, it's, about a, a nine, it's about a nine-figure number. To tell us how the rest of the world is doing, we have Norbert Orr, who is our senior correspondent who covers uh, global surveys that he does for a company called Strategus Research Partners. I think it's strategusrp.com. Norbert covers 18 surveys that are done similar to the ISM around the world and also some of the regional surveys in the U.S. Norbert, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Always good to have you on the show. Uh, it sounds like your report is stellar again. Yeah, it uh, it's hard. To, uh, every month, I think, well, it's hard to improve on last month. And you know, the, the basis of all of these surveys is the uh, tracking of change. Uh, are we getting better? Or are we staying the same? Are we getting worse? And uh, the U.S. Uh, keeps holding up uh, extraordinarily well. Globally, things are, are pretty good, uh, but the U.S. is where the major action is, uh, and I think it speaks to some of the uh, issues that uh, that we dealt with. I think it, uh, uh, the fact that we're ahead of the curve when it comes to the recovery with the Federal Reserve, uh, all of those factors have uh, made it easier for the U.S. to, to recover. Uh, interest rates are rising, uh, and that's actually a, a good thing. It means there's a, a demand for money that's driving, or demand that's driving the value of money up from that. So uh, this is a this is a good month uh, following, uh, you know, about 17 or 18 good months. So very very solid performance in the U.S. economy. 
So, Norbert, I've been doing and Tim has been doing a fair amount of uh, uh, research and uh, hunting out the information regarding our new uh, tariffs, particularly the steel uh, tariffs uh, that um, our present administration has implemented. And I see things coming down that in the next two to three months, if it still lasts and it's not just a bargaining chip, uh, everything that we've built up over these last 17 months, 18 months, could wind up be slowly washed out to sea. Do you have any feelings about that? Yeah, I think uh, certainly over the long term, it's not a good situation. In the short term, though, Lou, uh, I believe that uh, this is long overdue in terms of uh, us retaliating against the uh, trade practices, both from Asia and the rest of the world. We, we were a free lunch uh, for many years. Uh, and frankly, this is a, a point in time opportunity in my mind. Uh, being, we do have great numbers right now. We've got growth that's uh, probably going to approach 4% or better this quarter. Uh, everything is lined up for us to be able to withstand this better than anybody else. If, if we're hurting a little bit, uh, they're hurting a lot. And uh, so I, I think this is a time when the economy can withstand some of the uh, uh, detrimental effects of raising tariffs in the short term. In, in the long term, uh, if we're going to have a, a standoff uh, for the next five years, it's, it's going to hurt. But in, in the near term, I don't think uh, I think it's the ideal opportunity uh, to do it. If our, our economy was uh, weaker then it would be a hard choice to make to try to do this. But right. given where it is, it's the time to do it. Now, how well they orchestrate it, uh, uh, that's that's another issue. Uh, so far, the negotiations of other issues, North Korea notwithstanding, uh, have been very solid uh, and beneficial to the United States uh, to be able to do that. Uh the, the other thing that, that worries me a little bit is how how good the information is that uh, uh, that they're trying to operate off of. Are we really losing $500 billion a year in intellectual property? Uh, th that seems to me to be an extraordinary number, and uh, maybe over time, uh, that might be a number that uh, that exists, but I'm, I'm uh, uh, not convinced that in the short term that we're losing that much in doing it. But, you know, ultimately losing anything, it would be uh, like dividing the United States into half and saying, okay, the people on the West Coast get to come up with all the technology and the people on the East Coast get the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. uh that's that's not a not a very good situation uh we we need uh, we need some balance in that and uh and i think that's what they're seeking uh i have a lot of confidence uh you know all of this is being led by wilbur ross 
And uh, Wilbur Ross is a self-made billionaire, doesn't have to be doing what he's doing, but he's convinced that it's the right thing to do. And uh, I've followed him for a long time, and I have a lot of confidence that uh, I think he he knows what he's doing. I hated to to, uh, uh, see Larry Kudlow have health problems because I think he could be very instrumental in what's going on right now and a help to that. So I hope, wish Larry well and hope he gets back to uh, back to work sooner as opposed to later because I think his uh, his his sharpness, his intellect uh, uh, can play a big role right now. Right, right. In view of the fact that uh, the last five attempts at the steel tariffs, which really didn't work and we lost more jobs than we gained. Uh, do you feel as though that perhaps there would be a better way of handling this imbalance that's going on instead of through tariffs, but through perhaps uh, um, uh, restricting a certain amount of goods coming in and going out rather yeah, I, than a duty? I, I'm afraid that the steel industry and the aluminum industry that get most of the attention uh, probably uh, they get hit each time that these things happen. And, right. and I think the reason for that is they are more global. Uh, if you took another commodity, the one that's a big, uh, big commodity, uh, chemical or that type of thing, uh, they they are not as invested uh, as the steel industry is. In, in many cases, when you talk about the steel industry, you're talking about uh, industries that are uh, government-owned or highly subsidized by the government, whereas when you get into chemicals, that's usually not the case. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the steel industry winds up being the poster child because it has a direct impact on so many different countries. Uh, As you know, I follow what goes on in Taiwan very closely, and uh, I pulled an article out of the uh, uh, Taiwan Times uh, a couple of weeks ago when all this was coming about, and uh, Taiwan is one of the largest producers of hot-rolled steel. And as you know, uh, that's the the low end of the food chain in the steel business. It's the true commodity product that uh, crosses borders easily and and so on. It has plate and uh, bars, and it also has uh, uh, structurals involved in it. And Taiwan's attitude about the tariffs was uh, they didn't think it was going to bother them that much that uh, they would move some tonnage around, they'd find other places for their product, and um, they didn't see a, a problem from their from their vantage point. So uh, I, I, I just wonder if we really have all the information that we need to have uh, to kind of make a judgment. But I think it's more about the conflict of uh, having government intervention in a number of industries, and steel is the one that leads the way. In the China market, however, we only import about 2% of uh, all the steel uh, coming into the country is from China. 
which certainly does not seem like a major threat to us. Uh, it may be a good punishment in terms of all the technical uh, uh, intellectual property that is being stolen from the U.S. But then you have Canada, where we have a $6 billion surplus. So why are we picking on those nice Canadians? Yeah, I uh, I, I don't know the reason for that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't blame you. Uh, other than I, I think it's you know it's some chest pounding, uh, and they they don't want to leave them out of that, uh, and it may have more to do with the lumber situation uh, than the steel situation, but not wanting to separate the two. Uh, could be, could be from the negotiation, but. Uh, uh, I, you know, Canada is uh, a great trading partner. Uh, uh, I hate to see the rhetoric get raised to the level that it has with with Canada, but they, again, that's somewhat their choice in doing that. Uh, Mexico, on the other hand, they're probably thinking it would have been better if they'd built the wall uh, because <laughs> their economy is soft and they're losing more uh, in terms of factories that aren't getting built, uh, et cetera. So uh, it's a tough, tough go for them. I think Mr. Trump is uh, trying to work a deal with Mexico by giving them California back if they built the wall. That wouldn't be a bad deal. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, It's only a joke, folks. He's not (laughs) all the states. That's right. You love them all. Right. So, you know, all right. Before, I, before we, I'm sorry, before we get uh, too far rolling along here, I've got to take a quick commercial break, gentlemen, and then we will be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Excellence. It's what separates good companies from average ones. This year's theme for the AME International Conference in San Diego is Create Waves of Excellence. Gain insights from keynote speakers, including innovation expert Jeremy Gucci, former NFL quarterback Joe Theismann, lean author and researcher Mike Rother, and leadership pro Liz Weissman. Witness operational excellence in person at plant tours from San Diego's diverse, innovative manufacturing community. Don't miss the opportunity to accelerate your journey toward excellence this fall in San Diego. Visit ame.org slash San Diego for more information and to register. 
We look forward to seeing you in San Diego. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we're back with Norbert Orr, who is our senior correspondent for Global Surveys. And Norbert, I guess we haven't really touched much on the survey data itself. Um, I, I guess maybe it's time to get into that and maybe take a look at how Europe is doing. Okay. Uh, one of the charts that we use that uh, uh, obviously we, we can't do on the conference call, use on the conference call, is a scattergram looking at the countries that are doing uh, where, where change is taking place so that uh, we have the, the, the ability to see those that are growing, which uh, of the 18 surveys that we cover quite closely, uh, we have 16 that are growing this month. Uh, one that's on uh, um, on the on the, the margin, and uh, then South Korea, which has been uh, this is the fourth month in a row. I think South Korea has been in decline. Uh, their issues seem to be around uh, the size of the companies that they've got and. Uh, Product uh, selection and exporting issues uh, uh, in the near term, uh, so th they're struggling a, a little bit comparatively. But when we look at the others and, and look at uh, countries that are uh, uh, growing or expanding, but they're weakening as as they go, uh, we see Europe, uh, Germany, Austri Austria. The Netherlands uh, are more toward uh, a decline than than growth, uh, though they are growing. Uh, so uh, Europe has peaked, basically. Um, the UK has peaked, uh, also. It is still uh, at a, a reasonably good growth rate, but uh, nonetheless has peaked. Uh, which is what we expect when we measure change month over month. Change is either growing or it's uh, contracting, and uh, certainly Europe is more in the contracting, uh, or I mean in the growing stage, but growing at a slower rate. Uh, so uh, then if we look at North America, we see a picture that's just the opposite. Uh, it's growing and it's strengthening, uh, and we, we see... Uh, Chicago is showing a very strong uh, index right now. Uh, then we look at the ISM manufacturing and ISM non-manufacturing. Uh, Texas, because the oil patch is doing well. So it's a completely different story for the U.S. And, again, that's one of the reasons I contend if, if we're ever going to try to straighten out this trade issue, this is the time for us to do that. We're in a better position to... Um, to force things to happen. Um, so uh, th then we look at Asia and China. Doesn't change very much, but it continues to grow. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of improvement in uh, the ASEA, uh, which is Myanmar and Vietnam and so on, seven countries. Uh, that's gotten a little bit stronger uh, as uh, the years progressed, uh, but it's still more like China, not a, not a lot of change really that takes place uh, in, in that area. 
So uh, as we look around, the U.S. certainly is the strong point. North America is strong in general, uh, less Mexico. Uh, And uh, more importantly, they seem to have the ability to extend this. We're seeing a lot of capital investment, uh, both uh, in construction. We're seeing residential and non-residential both doing quite well. Uh, it's hard to find uh, bad spots in the uh, in North America. Uh, we see strong, durable goods out of the Milwaukee area. We see that uh, uh, white-collar employment uh, has sl- slowed, but again, the Labor Department numbers say that everybody that uh, wants a job has a job. Uh, that uh, we actually have more uh, jobs available than we have people to fill them. So uh, that over time can become very inflationary if companies have to to really fight for talent uh, on on a large scale. Uh, So there's a a lot of things to be happy with in uh, this current economic uh, environment. One one of the concerns... I was going to say, one of my concerns, and I started to bring it up before, and I don't mean to uh, beat a dead horse, but the the tariff issue, if it does continue, it's going to really be ultimately a crusher on the the man in the street, Mr. John Q. Public, because products are going to cost more, um, and uh, we're going to have to pay more, and, you know, the fact that we were graced with a uh, tax uh, uh, rebate or tax uh, uh, reduction uh, several months ago is going to be eaten up by higher prices caused by tariffs. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about all these uh, positive things. Uh, you know, it's kind of odd to be saying I'm c- concerned about positive issues, but I'm not sure it's going to last that long. Uh, and I'm concerned for the uh, the, the everyday consumer. And so uh, I don't blame you for for having that concern. Uh, I guess one of the ways I look at it is uh, so far the negotiation that the administration has done, uh, you know, uh, a year ago we wouldn't have thought there was an answer to the North Korea problem uh, within the decade. Uh, Right. And now, now we're doing that. So. Uh, again, I come back to uh, counting on uh, uh, Wilbur Ross uh, as being a, 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 a person that understands that uh, you, you don't destroy the value that you've created along the way. So I, I think we'll see concessions. I think we'll see this end much quicker than we do. Long term, well, if, if we're still having this conversation three years from now, uh, we'll have done ourselves a great disservice. Uh, but I can't imagine, uh, you know, uh, that the, the 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 parties involved aren't pragmatic enough to realize they have to uh, uh, they, they have to come around on most of these issues. Well, I hope that is uh, actually the case that happens. Uh, you, you know, I always look at this, uh, Lou, as yeah. uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, method of negotiating. Uh, Reagan would start a negotiation of 
you're at one extreme and I'm at the other extreme. And uh, uh, first thing he'd say is, I need a show of good faith, so why don't you move 20% of the way along? And he'd get that concession from them. And then he'd go nationally and get on TV and talk to the American people. He'd go back and say, you know, if you'd move another 20%, this would make some some sense. And then he'd uh, come up with another program to get another 20%. So now he's got 60%, and there's 40 left. And he looks at it and says, you know, uh, I'm going to split the difference with you. I'll meet you halfway. <laughs> right. And so that's good, uh, good negotiation tactic. And it was a good – and uh, uh, so far the administration may gu- be guilty of a number of things, but they haven't been bad negotiators. Uh, their critics uh, – uh, I, I think what they did in North Korea was absolutely uh, unbelievable. Uh, the the quality of what they got, and uh, some of their critics are saying, well, they gave up too much. I've yet to figure out uh, that they gave up uh, hardly anything. They gave up some war games uh, that uh, included having three carriers uh, offshore from North Korea, basically, or within striking range of that. Uh, uh, we uh, we were certainly well positioned. To act if uh, if it's necessary to do that. All you got to do is move the war games a couple of thousand miles, and the issue is resolved. Right. It's not like the carriers are going to leave uh, the Pacific since right. they're stationed there most of the time, anyways. So Europe is looking strong. One quick question on Europe. You know, we've had Brexit. Now there's uh, a new regime in Italy. They're talking about exit. Uh, and currency issues aside, is it likely that Italy is actually going to get serious about leaving the EU, Norbert? Uh, Italy has been upset about this from the very beginning. Uh, Italy uh, was a big loser because their economy uh, became 20% more expensive with the EU. And then you take uh, the bureaucrats in Brussels who uh, want to run Europe but have never been elected by anybody, uh, and it makes for a tough situation. Uh, I've felt that they would not uh, separate Italy, would not, would not go through this uh, when they really get down to it uh, because uh, of the uh, – currency issue, which you told me, set that aside, but we can't hardly do that because it's probably the most important side of that. Uh, But the average Italian is doing much worse because of the EU, so uh, you don't know. I don't think they can get enough of a consensus going in Italy to really separate all of this. And I think uh, Germany, uh, you know, uh, the EU is Germany, uh, Germany's uh, bargaining chip uh, is strongest with all of the countries in the EU. And uh, so I think they can probably squash this 
effort when the time comes. Uh, although Germany, it seems like maybe uh, Angela Merkel is in trouble uh, politically. And uh, the news reports say that uh, this week there may be a change there. Uh, that would have a, an impact, too, as to uh, what the German leadership uh, attitude is going to be toward all of this. And that change, Norbert, you know, how many of these are going uh, left of center versus right of center? I see Colombia just elected a new president who seems uh, to be on the conservative side. Is Germany moving towards uh, 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 something left of center rather than right of center? Uh, I, I, I really can't make that judgment for you, Tim. Uh, I, it would seem that that's a possibility. But until you get the elections and find out exactly where uh, where the people are, it's it's hard to determine. Uh, I think there's a risk mm -hmm. uh, to the left of center government, uh, you know, uh, making uh, Merkel's decision to take in a million refugees probably will go down as one of the the great boondoggles uh, of uh, the political uh, decade anyway, uh, and maybe even longer than that. Uh, they really took on uh, responsibility, in, and the Germans in the past have been very reluctant. Uh, if you travel in Germany, you see that they have a, a, a lot of visiting labor, but that doesn't necessarily make them uh, citizens. If we, you know, we're among the uh, most uh, liberal with regard to our borders, and we're trying to correct that. Uh, but we, we're among the countries that uh, uh, run uh, don't don't uh, protect our borders as well as others. But Germany uh, taking in a million people uh, is, uh, is is going to prove very difficult over the long haul. They've got crime problems. They've got other problems that stem from it. I can believe that. Um, Norbert, overall, and I know that Lou alluded to this earlier, what's it look like from your perspective in terms of the length of this uh, expansion? Uh, I know that Lou's concern, as is mine, is that the tariffs could nip it in the bud, and we're beginning to hear some rumblings of that. Uh, we're seeing some inflation. We're seeing the Fed move up interest rates, which they, they really have to do because if, if they get a downturn, the only negotiating power they have is to lower rates, and I don't think we want to go into negative rates as some countries have. But what does this expansion look like? Everybody talked about 2020. Meh, maybe now it's 2019. Where do you see the turn? Uh, I don't know that the tariffs – you know, if you, if you take the total value of all the tariffs and so on, which uh, w would uh, be questionable in my mind that it's anywhere near the numbers that they're talking about. Uh, so I'm, I'm questioning the numbers to begin with. But l let's say the numbers are right. Even at that level, uh, this is something that we can withstand three months, six months, uh, if we try to drag that out. It's going to look a lot worse for 
all of the people that we're negotiating with than it is for us. And so I, I think, we, you know, we'll get something settled in, within a three-month, six-month outside time frame. Just won't let this go on. It, it may take a different uh, tact. You know, the administration is saying we want to make deals, but we, we don't want uh, uh, these regional and, and so on where uh, – we're interested in single, you know, two-party deals so that we can measure this going forward in the future and we can have a different strategy for different areas. So I think you get a period of negotiation, then there will be a reconciliation, and I think we continue to see the overall economy prosper for the next Two years anyway. I don't think we, we we kid ourselves when we think we can uh, we can predict that even that far out. Let alone uh, is this a four or five year thing? Uh, right now, two right. years seems doable if we don't screw up the the works with the tariffs. You know, there is one thing, and I, I did want to get this point uh, in before uh, we wind up uh, wrapping up the show. And one of the potential cures to imbalance of trade and so on, which the government did something about it in the mid to late 70s and early 80s, and that was by promoting the idea of manufacturer and others to export more and gave these companies an incentive, a, a real dollars incentive to try and sell more out of the country. That turns around uh, the imbalance of trade perhaps faster than a tariff does and doesn't piss off everybody all over the world. So, and that, that program they had it back in the 70s and 80s was called the DISC program, the Domestic International Sales Corporation, and then there was FISC, the Foreign International Sales Corporation. And they gave huge incentives. And the Department of Commerce, which Wilbur Ross is in charge of, uh, helped American manufacturers and gave classes and gave talks and helped set up. Uh, I remember for the Paris Air Show in the 90s, they would help American companies set up uh, booths in the American pavilion at ridiculously low prices. And those programs worked very effectively and certainly would help imbalance of trade. Yeah, I think that would, Lou. The, the problem I foresee is um, we, we have um, – I'm sorry, I lost my – I was trying two thoughts ahead on myself. Uh, the, the problem we had, didn't have then that we have now is the deficit. Well, that's and, true. Uh, so there was a lot more money lying around that we could be generous with and help manufacturers be able to do that. Uh, I, you know, one of the big problems for, for U.S. companies is um, just simply being able to get uh, the contacts in different com- countries. And you're always selling into smaller markets. 
And so relationships, contacts, uh, currencies, all of those things become much more difficult. And, you know, uh, the other thing that I'm not sure is being considered in all of this uh, is the number of U.S. companies that have facilities overseas and the number of uh, foreign companies that have facilities in the United States. Uh, I'm not sure that gets measured uh, in all of this, and if it does, does it really get measured? You, you know, a company like Procter & Gamble that's in consumer goods, they, they can't manufacture consumer goods in the U.S. and, and be efficient with it so shipping it all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But Procter & Gamble has 100 plants offshore. Right. So they serve those markets locally, and they can do that very well. So, um, uh, in order to 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 juice that up a little bit, and uh, then you have to uh, uh, you have to have some direct investment, foreign investment in those other countries, in order to make that work out. So it's a complicated formula. Um, my worry is that um, that no one understands the formula. When they get right down to it. Well, that's uh, that's a sad state of affairs. That's like hopping a bus and the bus driver doesn't know how and where he's going, uh, and he's just <laughs> taking everybody off the cliff. So that being said, uh, uh, Norbert, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we uh, wrap up this uh, segment? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to say, you know, the economy is doing well. Things are happening. We're doing all the right things. Uh, I think these negotiations will get settled. It will be uh, uh, more of a Ronald Reagan type of negotiation where we nibble and nibble and nibble and, and get something, get the things that uh, that we want. We won't get all of it, but I think we'll get enough of it that uh, – then the the optimism factor can carry us for quite some time, and we'll get at least those two years that we talked about. Sounds good to me, well, Jim. That's that's good to hear, Norbert. We always appreciate you coming on and giving us an update on what's happening. It's so important uh, to get a sense of what's happening in terms of the purchasing managers index, which the ISM number is based on, and and they're following those globally in other countries to see how they're doing. So it looks like everything's going well, and we look forward to it next month. Norbert, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is our senior international correspondent for Global Surveys, and we certainly uh, always enjoy having him on the air with us. Lou, the report looks good. The economy looks good. So... I guess we have less to talk about than if it were all going off a cliff. Well, you and I are going to be doing a special show about the tariffs, and I, I don't want to minimize the potential effect. I, I appreciate things that Norbert said about it, uh, but I, I'm really concerned about uh, over the next three, four, five, six months as to how it's going to affect uh, the everyday consumer. Um, and that is, of course, if this is not just being a, uh, a negotiating ship that the administration is doing. So I guess only time will tell. Uh, I have some serious uh, concerns and reservations about all that's going on right now. 
So, but until that time, um, you know, 58.7, that's a whopper of a number. Um, and we're enjoying that. And our metals company, All Metals and Forge, has seen a significant increase in business over the last uh, six, seven months. So let's just ride this pony out of here. Yeah, that's right. We'll keep this these horses thundering along. We want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. We have additional information on other episodes like WAM, Women in Manufacturing, which is at womenandmfg.com. You can find all of those episodes there. Great information. Please tune in and listen to a couple of those. I'm sure you will be amazed and dazzled by the kind of commentary that takes place on uh, those subjects that they tackle. Great information for women rising in business. We also have all of our our library of manufacturing talk radio shows at mfgtalkradio.com. Shortly, you're also going to see the latest issue of Metals and Manufacturing Outlook coming out, so keep an eye out for that. If you're not signed up for it, come visit us at steelforge.com, another place you can sign up for it. And we look forward to everyone tuning in to future shows of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for Thanks joining for us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.